Welcome to the County Road Bobblers Bobblecast, a fun podcast with a feel like you're sitting in the local pub chatting about the blues to other blues. Welcome to tonight's Bobblecast, um, it's the end of the year Bobblecast as well, so it's been, it's been a long year this one hasn't it, uh, 2020, uh, but we're here, uh, ready to talk and we've been, we've been really kind of building this one up, so it's myself Witch, uh, Mitch and also uh, Matt Keenan, um, so hi uh, gents to yourselves, Hello. <laughs> plenty to talk about, plenty's happened, it's been, you know, the last couple of weeks it hasn't been a case of, uh, you know, very limited things to talk about, Everton have been brilliant as always. Um, but we'll, we'll start really on, on, on something that, that probably is non-match related, uh, which was was the match postponement. Um, sort of a bit new, you know, we're not used to dealing with this, are we? But um, City decided that they weren't playing. Um, what are your thoughts on Matt, I'll come to yourself first. Uh, what are your thoughts on, on what's happened last night? Uh, well, besides... The fact whether it was the right decision to, you know, postpone the match or not, which, you know, if it probably is the right decision, it, there's something not right about the way it's, been, it's all come about. Uh, clearly, from what we've seen, Everton, well, apparently know nothing about it. And this was all decided between City and the league. And this is the same Premier League who said that games will go ahead if you've got more than 14 players available. So... I think Everton are well within the rights to, to ask for all the information that was made available to the league. Um, th- there's just something there that's not adding up for me. It just seems odd, doesn't it? You know, when you, when, when you think about the, you know, the, the kinds of background or whatever, it, it, it's quite telling in the difference between the two statements between the clubs. I think City suggested that Everton were involved in the decision and Everton seems to have, have asked. Basically, they've, they've gone on a fact-finding mission as such as to say, well, what led up to it? They seem to want to know more information. Um, do you think there's anything to read into that, Mitchell? Well, I've been like sadly to to question it. Like, um, you know, it was just four hours before kickoff. Yeah. Um. Well, yeah. I, either way, to be honest, with you, I was quite pleased. I mean, you know, yeah. with the uh, with the two that you know, obviously just having less than four or eight hours. So, one of them. It is one. I mean, the game was forty six hours prior the Sheffield United game. That was a bit of a, a hard slog over in Sheffield. You know, the the, the rain and so it was like one of them. You say the Tuesday night in Stoke because you do it there. It was yeah. one of them games, wasn't it? Where you just have to get through it and a bit of quality shot through. But you know, if you look at the sides, you've got six out of ten not available. Um, so for the side like Everton who are competing in Europe, it's a lot of players that you've got out of that first eleven. I know that we've been getting results with them. Um, but um, it's probably actually I don't know what you think about this map but it's probably still in our favour a bit hasn't it the game has been called off uh, you know if you look at the bigger picture yeah I mean some people have been saying you know um, it was a good time to play City because they've had a, a weakened side or whatever but to be honest it seems like most of the season's a good time to play City you know they're not the team they were and if we play them again with our full strength squad you know I'd, I'd fancy us to get something not like the Everton team in the last say two three years where you'd just be going there open to keep the score down. You know, I, I think we we could have got something there with a full strength team. So yeah, it probably is the right thing. 
um, to, or wood working our favour to have a bit of a break because these fixes were coming thick and fast and they were too quick to get our injured players back. Uh, I think it might have just been a blessing in disguise, you know. Might have been one game too many for us. Yeah. Um, you know, like you say there, though, play them again in a couple of weeks' time or whatever. Just nothing to fear with City. Yeah, definitely. Especially it was getting played back as well. The one for me really is the Kurai. Uh, big Zooks, he's been a standout for me. And, you know, obviously, the big question mark was when Alan got injured because we couldn't go about him. And uh, all those big Zooks has dropped into that kind of like defence pole run of the Tom Davies has, has obviously played his part in that. Uh, but, you know, there's a lot of games being played and Takura has been a centre stage in a lot of them. And if there's one injury that I didn't want to get, it would have been Takura. Yeah. Um, and and that's, that, that was the one thing I was worrying about playing that game and it being a game too far for him. I was worried about him and I, I was worried about Nina. Yeah. So I thought, you can't. I was, I was thought, Nina playing two games in 48 hours, you know. Well, you could have brought Coleman in and moved Holgate inside, but... Yeah, like I say, I just think it was maybe a blessing in disguise. I mean, if you put yourself in, you know, in the shoes of the fans as such, um, in the bobble hats of the fans, it's a foul down there. Um, you wouldn't be interacting with it. You know, you, you probably took some time off to do a COVID test. You, 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 you know, maybe took half a day off work to travel down the grounds. Um, it, it's a day out, isn't it? So I think it's fair to say that there's a question to be asked for the fans alone. Yeah, well, it it will be harsh on them because being away for so long and it's that hard to get a ticket now with the ballot and stuff. The you know these people who were lucky enough to get one, they would have been really excited to go. But you know, such are the times we're living in at the moment. There's there's going to be many things that are going to be disappointing for people, and this unfortunately seems to have been one of them. So we've got to feel for them, but it's not really much you can do. I think I don't know if it struck you, but the first thing I was thinking. Is um, when it all happened, I thought, what would Kev Horlick think about it? Oh, that, that was, I think that a lot about a lot of things. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, when, when I wake up in the morning, I think, wow, I wonder, I wonder what he thinks about today. <laughs> <laughs> so you can add him to a long list of nomads that have, have decided to give their professional opinion on something they know nothing about. Yeah, poor man's Matt Letizia. <laughs> is he? I'm trying to put my me, me, me finger on it because I've never heard him. I'll be honest with you, I had to, I had to like click on his profile so he had a tick. Is he the fella who's behind Horlocks, like the like the med, the medicine or has he got something to do with fussy or like to be honest, if I've got a sore throat, I always go for strepsils. Yeah. Um but I, I, I like obviously Kev Horlocks is the man to, to listen to. Well, uh, but well I heard that that's that's how Horlocks started, you know, they they were sold on Needham Market store. So that seems to be where um, you know th- their whole business comes from, and he he apparently has an opinion on football. So, so. <laughs> yeah. So next, uh, anyway, Kev, thank you for your contribution as always. You know it was valuable. Yeah. Um, I'm glad you cleared it up as well because I was really caring what you you got to say on the issue. Uh, you know I couldn't have come to the conclusion without your opinion on it. <laughs> uh, but very kindly, fuck off, Kev. Uh, no one cares. I'll say that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you fucking, I mean, you don't know. You know, it's Gabby of Longhorn or it's, you know, Steve McManaman, and Martin Keown. The, the amount of people we have. Just... Yeah, at least you've heard of them. I know, yeah. I know. 
Kev Orlocks in Hollywood of 40. <laughs> yeah. So um, what we'll do anyway, that obviously was a match for moments. And uh, after the Sheffield United uh, game, we asked uh, a few of the Blues, uh, would, would they want any questions being discussed on the podcast? As always, it's been massively engaging. We've had lots of really good comments, really, uh, for us to, to discuss. And we'll stop with the first one. Really get that. You can. I've, I've been sorry. I've, I've had a couple of pints here with uh, with Keeper Joe. Um, transfer. Yeah. No. No. I, I can't possibly disclose any breaking news from Keith. Um, but uh, I'm five pints in. I think it was only three hours late. <laughs> <laughs> Well, he's got a lot of contacts to get through, hasn't he, Keith? You know, absolutely yeah, so, gold-plated transfer news. Yeah, so uh, stumbling my words can say that you can blame Keith. Um, Rangers fans are blaming Keith. Newcastle fans are blaming Keith. So, Teams fans are blaming Keith. Yes, yeah, St. Maxim's unsettled. Um, yeah, anyway, so the first question that we were asked um, was from Peter the Great. He said, is Ben Godfrey first choice left back now? Oh, yeah, yeah. I can see Mitch's face. I'll start with you, Mitch. I can answer that in question. Yeah, I'm there. Do you want to take it? For? I'll take it. I mean, long term, obviously, Lucas Dean's going to come back in there, isn't he? Down the left. But Ben's done such a great job that he's got a fight on his hands. At the minute, you know. I'd say, but I wouldn't want to be fighting like Goffrey. Yeah, it's not big enough to say. No, I. Um, at the minute, yeah, you, you know, he is obviously a team being out, but I, I think once Dean gets, you know, comes back into the team, he'll be playing there. And I'd like to see Ben's playing in his natural position and at centre half. But he's done a fantastic job there, really has. Super. What about yourself, Matt? Have you got anything uh, different than that, or, or you know, no, are you you're the same? I, I think the same. I, I think he's he'll end up being like. Well, he seems to be like a modern-day Lescott, doesn't he? Like, he can switch between left-back and centre-half. But weirdly, after his first game, I think a lot of people were thinking, oh, no, that's a mistake playing full-back. He can't do that. But he's he's turned it round. But he's he's an excellent footballer. But I think, no, I think Dean ends up coming back in. Although I don't think he's got any right to just walk straight back in. He's going to have to earn his place back. But I don't think, um, I don't think Godfrey will end up playing there long-term. Yeah, no, I, I agree with what you're saying there. I think mean, Ben Godfrey's a long-term option. Um, you've got to look at the, the bigger impact of things as well. You? you know, DCL, a lot of his goals have come from that kind of systematic um, play where Digne has got down the side and put the ball in. I think I heard when we played the derby that, that almost as soon as Luca Dean was crossing the ball, you knew DCL was going to put it in. Yeah. And we've lost that kind of transition to play with, with Ben Godfrey being there, but Ben Godfrey's offered a different side of things. He's been really kind of, you know, uh, solid. Uh, I'd like to see us eventually get somewhere in between. Um, and maybe that somewhere in between might be the fact that Luka Dean does play, but you have Ben Godfrey on that left centre half as well. Uh, he's another option. We can shake it up by, by change. No, because it, it doesn't always work the way we were doing the pretty football. We saw that when we lost three, four games, was it, on the bounce? But, but now yeah. we know that we can put Holgate one side and Godfrey the other. You know, and, and we've got a totally different style of playing, and, and that seems to work. To be fair to Carlo, like, he tried a few different things, didn't he? Yeah. He tried the wing back, he tried Delft there, he tried a will be there. And he's, you know, 
stumbles on Ben and he's just like I say, he's been been quality. Yeah. If if you can look at two of the previous managers, we've had Marco Silva and uh, Roberto Martinez. Two of the biggest criticisms of both was that they were too rigid. Yeah, they had no plan B. But, you know, Carlo's quickly shown you that, and Carlo's a manager that, all due respect to Roberto, and all due respect to, to Marco, but, you know, Carlo is ultimately a lot more experienced than both. Yeah. Um, and he's shown that even with his level of, you know, how successful he is, that he's prepared to change things up as well. Um, so yeah, no, it's it, it, it's good to see. So it, one another question was asked was uh, is, is the squad depth argument being used too much? Realistically, all teams have players um, out that they struggle to replace. Um, obviously, Everton is such a picking up points of out players. That was from Jeff Thompson, um, uh, and I think we've seen this a couple of times. People say, "Well, what would he do if he didn't have Dominic Calvert in? Uh, but you can, you can have the same argument with like Spurs, say, what would you do about Harry Kane or what would Liverpool do about Mo Salah? Yeah. Um, you know, it's... It's a it, solution, isn't it? Yeah. You know, at the end of the day, what, what have we done without Alan? What have we done without Lucas Dean? You, you, you try to other, other things, don't you? Yeah. And, you know, you might stumble on something. So... Well, that's why we pay yeah. the big bucks, isn't it, Carlo? We pay him to, to come up with these solutions and it looks like he is doing it. So that, that's what you would do. We have got, maybe the squad depth could be, you know, improved, but on the other hand, maybe it, it, it is good enough. We just didn't really know how to use what we had. It's similar to, to, to maybe Antonio Conte as well. You know, we had a lot of good players there and then they stumbled on a formation at work for him. Um, but we'll talk about this shortly, actually, because there's a bit of a subject we'll come on to. But the, the, probably the next question is, is, is what next? You know, we we found a solution, uh, but then the, the, when the players come back, it's the what next. Um, but yeah, now Jeff Jeff raised a good point there. Uh, Richard Uffenzel uh, was saying that uh, how many windows to get a squad that resembles Carlo Ancelotti, and what positions would you strengthen? But this is one of a few questions, so I'm gonna roll through a few with them. Donners and Blitzen, very festive. Says who would you sign to give us Richardson? Sheet fresh on the wing. Gino, where are we going to add goals? Phoebe, uh, I won't move on to that just yet. Uh, but yeah, so there's a few questions around the transfer window there. Uh, I think, you know, that it's obvious that when Richardson's not inside, obviously we got rid of that who do the other day, winning without Richardson. Uh, but, you know, there's, there's questions around what we're going to do in the, in the transfer window um, and how many transfer windows would that take? Uh, Matt, I'll start with yourself. What do you think, you know, can we be judging Carlo yet? Can we, is it a case that we've got to wait for a bit to, to, to see a side that really truly resembles him? I think we need at least one other summer window. I'd say it needs, in total, including winter windows, two or three more for him to really, you know, put his mark on the team because they've got to ship some players out. They've got some coming to the end of the contracts, which is going to leave holes in the squad, so they'll have to replace them first. It's not going to be as easy as I'm just going out and signing loads of players because of the financial fair play, and although we might be a, a rich club these days, there isn't that much available to spend on the squad. So I'd say yeah, two or three more windows um, before we really see what he's about. Is that much you you agree with Matt? Um, yeah, yeah, I agree with him, mate. I think um, if you look at Carlo Sands, if you're picking your strongest um, Evan eleven at the minute, the Sands you've made would be in. Your strongest team, yeah. So 
if he can have another couple of windows where he's adding more quality and he, he's it's basically a team then. You know, we've he's been there twelve months at the end of the day. Yeah. It's gonna take time, isn't it? Bit of pace, bit of patience. It's always the thing as well, isn't it? I think there's uh, five signings, so that's twenty-five players. Um, you know, it, it's it's not much really. You know what I mean? If you think about it, it's twenty percent. twenty-five percent, whatever. Sorry, you said massive little drop here. Uh, yeah, it, it's a, it, it just you know it, it's not a lot of the, the, the squads. Um, and as soon as you get a couple of injuries, then you know you're backfilling off other managers' regimes, yeah. And you're not really seeing the true reflection of the players that Carlo Ancelotti wants or the players to play in his image. Mm. Um, and it's notable whenever we do seem to have more of his players, like you say, we seem to do better, you know. And these players tend to be the best players on the pitch as well, yeah. Um, it's going to take time, you know, you players don't hit the ground running as well, you know. It's I think Takura's got better as he's gone through. He's a player that me and you, Mitch, I know, certainly massively infused by. We've always watched him from afar. Mm. Um, you know, people were questioning when he first came in, you know, what's, but it, it's inevitable. You know, it, 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 you know, you look at him now, it, it, the value that he brings to the side's massive. Um, but the, the other side of it is, we was talking about the Richardson threat, and, uh, and that's an interesting one, actually, because 2018, I think it was, since the last time we won without Richardson. In the side, and obviously we've done the who do, yeah, Sheffield United, yeah. which was nice to kind of get out of it in a way, um, because it was evident when we had a bit of a bad patch after the sending off against Thiago um, that that we were missing him. Mm. Uh, is there a play that we can bring in? You know, is it a like for like? Is there someone that you'd be looking at personally, or or do we wait? For, you yeah. know, for the, for the summer transfer window. I'd definitely wait for the summer. Yeah, uh, it wouldn't be nothing, nothing this, you know, in January, like. Um, but yeah, I do think it's important that we we get somebody in that when he is out, because there will be times he'll be out injured or suspended, whatever you know, or he needs to be that that someone will come in and do the same job as him or a similar job as him. And to be fair to Bernard, the other day when he came on, he down the left, yeah. he done he done okay there. Now I'm not saying he's the long term solution, but I think short term he he could be that. You know, when Richardson is out, so. It's an interesting one that I think is uh, expanded on saying that. Obviously, there was a lot of call for Andy Gordon to be playing. Yeah. Uh, obviously, Andy Gordon finally got his, his, his kind of um, his game. I, I don't think you can really give a player a game and say, well, you know, you know cause coming in from the Coles. But he showed, you know, he showed signs of promise. You know, he, he looks like he's done better. I was a bit disappointed with, with some of the fans um, sort of digging him out a little bit the other day. And like you say, you know, the, the lad has, it was his first league start, you know, young lad playing on Boxing Day, eight o'clock at night against the horrible conditions against Sheffield United. And like well, you say, he was like, like could you do it? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, he went great, and then he didn't, you know, set the world alight, but he didn't do too bad. And like, you know, you need, you need, these players need runs in the team. You know, it's a pickle bit of momentum. Look at Godfrey now. You know, and um, I, I just thought it was a bit harsh on them. People like saying, Harry, send them out on loan and he's not ready and he's this, this. And, I mean, you, if you're in, or, you know, from our point of view, you're going, well, why is he starting ahead of Bernard then? You know, why, why is he starting ahead of Bernard? So there's obviously something there that Carlo, 
you know, trust, trust them a little bit. Um, there's two sides of this. There's a discussion on who we, you know, we, we may bring in. Um, but there's a discussion who might go out. Yeah. Um, now, I, anyone who listens to the podcast knows I'm a fan of Bernard. You know, I like Brazilian uh, school merchants. But, you know, I think it's going to come to some stage where, I don't know, you've got, you've got to look long term. Is he, is he producing enough in terms of assists and all that kind of stuff goals? Um, possibly not. Um, but I think Bernard might be one of them. The, the that's they, that's they, what I'm saying. Like, yeah. You know, why is Gordon starting ahead of Bernard, you know? I'm asked that question, doesn't it? Yeah. You know, yeah. Comes to ask a question, because Bernard's probably on one. I think he's on a sizable wage. Um, so, in terms of outs, I would say Bernard, Balassi, Besic, Tosin would be ones we're looking to shift. I'd certainly say that Branthwaite, Nas and Konku are... Andy Gordon maybe up for loan. Is it would anyone argue with that the team now or I wouldn't. No, that that sounds pretty much what I I'd agree with that. Um, but, but just going back to Anthony Gordon, I think I've changed my opinion on him a little bit. Because uh, I I was one of them that thought he maybe wasn't ready. I don't think that's right. I don't think we're ready for him because I don't think as a fan base we're prepared to give him the time he needs and the cut on the slack he needs to improve as he's playing because he's he, he comes in and he's going to be patchy his form's going to be patchy but people spent that long hyping him up and being desperate for him to get a start that when he doesn't live up to their expectations when he comes in they're going to shoot him down and it's, i said it uh, the other day it's the tom davis effect where everyone's just going to say this kid's amazing he's amazing give him a game he eventually gets one and they go wow he's crapping him he hasn't you know he hasn't improved since whenever no it's not his fault but i don't think Developing for him now is in front of us as fans is going to do him any favours. So I'd say give him a loan so he can develop away I, from all that the, the Everton hype. Yeah, possibly. I don't think a loan will, will do him any harm by any means. Um, yeah, I mean, it was only 12 months ago we were saying, or some of us were saying anyway, loan Tom Davis out. Yeah. Now, Tom Davis has had 12 months under Ancelotti, and look at the difference now. Playing with the like, you know, training with the likes of Alan, the likes of the Corey, and you know, Andy Gordon, he's yeah. training with, with Charleston, Rodriguez, learning every day. Yeah. Um, Prepared to say, do you know what he did all right there? 
then that's for you know that's his opinion. He's he's entitled to have that. I don't agree with how much he hates Davies, but you know if someone's willing to say yeah he played well, I should be still willing to say yeah he was crap that game. So it's fair enough what Barry was saying. I've got to say, Matt. I've got to say that the Barry is an exceptionally um, an exceptionally balanced person when reporting on Everton. You know he. Yeah, obviously, like all others, he got extreme views, but he used to first stand up and say, "When you know, when I'm stick up for players when they're doing well." Yeah, I think he was one of them that said Tom Davies been doing well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I think all three of us on the podcast today echo that. And you know, I think he's he's done exceptionally well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he, uh, I he saw the boss that the other day. Yeah. I thought. Well, he, again, you know, it's, he's had five managers between eighteen and twenty-two. Uh, he's 22 now and he's now got a specific role in the team. You know, and I, I think he's almost come in and he's done that Alan role. You know, he's been bold on the ball. He's, he's tried to take people on. He's not took the easy side by pass. You know, he, sometimes he, he's took a bit of a chance. Um, yeah, you know, it's definitely. Um, listen, last year and years gone by at times, he hasn't helped himself. But, like I say, he's had 12 months with Ancelotti and with other players there he's learning from. And he, I must admit, like, he does look a different player this season. He, he does, even the Brighton game when he started early in the season, and you, you thought, you know what? He's finally starting to look like the player that we, we, we hoped he would be. He basically looks different. He holds himself differently. He moves around the pitch differently. Yeah. And you know the other thing, Matt, as well, is he's not going to ground like he used to, where every, every game he used to, Used to be on his ass more than yeah. on he's his feet, and he stopped doing. He, he sticks a foot in. Yeah, he stopped doing that as well. Yeah. yeah. Do you think maybe with maturity uh, and having a top manager, maybe he's really helped him? Like, you know, obviously Dominic Calvert-Lewin. You know, he, he's a totally different player now than twelve months ago. There's mate. Look at Don. Look at Mason Olgate. Look at Tom Davis. You know, so much that you're looking at me notes here. Because uh, the next <laughs> question was. Um, who has been the most improved player on the Rancho Lossi? And it probably leads, leads nicely into this. What were you saying, Matt? Calvert Lewin, yeah. Followed yeah. by Holden. Because Calvert Lewin now yeah, is no. all around game. Like, I. I'm now. I'm not saying he's as good as this player. So before anyone, rival fans who might listen to this, jump on it. I'm not saying he's as good as Ibrimovic, but the way he brought that ball down on his chest, the the ball from Keane, and then took it first time. He was moving like Ibrimovic. It was that sort. Of, you know, he, yeah. he's he's got bigger, but he, he the way Lukaku got bigger at Barkley, they bulked up too much. Where Calvert Lewin, he, he hasn't bulked up. He's just filled out, and he's using that strength really yeah. well. Yeah, and I think as well, Matt, the fact that he hasn't, you know, the the last four games we've won, you know, take the United Cup game of the way, and he hasn't scored in them, but nobody's getting on his back, yeah. nobody's going, you know, he hasn't scored in four, yeah. or, or whatever it is now, five. Everybody understands how important yeah, he is. Yeah, was like that for Chelsea, wasn't he? Drogba could not score, but still get man of the match. So, yeah. that's the yeah. sort of levels that Calvert-Lewin should be aspiring to, say, all right, it hasn't been my day in front of goal, but I still put, put this in for the team. And I think that's what he's doing. He has actually got a few, you know, when you watch him, he's got a few styles, hasn't yeah, he? Yeah. There is a few, he does remind you of certain, certain strikers. The struck out for me was the Chelsea game. You know, I, I obviously, I've, I've spoken about this on the podcast, but I thought Kurt Zuma 
is an excellent player. Yeah, you know, I really do think he is. Um, Tago Silva, we yeah. both sat here and talked about him. So probably sort of sat him. Top top centre half. That Chelsea game was tight, and Dominic Calvert Lewin in the key moment in the game. Um, he won the penalty. Yeah, yeah boss them two centre halves. It took two two really good, you know, world class centre halves. Yeah, and um, and he was the difference. And he didn't score that day. He didn't take the penalty because he's not a penal merchant like some strikers aren't. Uh, but for you know, it, it might be underlooked that actually he was the biggest cause of why you won that game. Which you know when was it? Silver's first season towards the end of the season, and we went on that bit of a run where we beat Chelsea and we beat Arsenal and we beat United. And again, he didn't score in them, but he was like an unbelievable, like yeah. in all them games, a bit similar to the last four games, if you like. And it just shows you how important he is. He's a big game player, and he? he plays well against the big teams. Yeah. So moving on from that, uh, who has been the biggest surprise? And what can we take from that? So I'll start with you, Matt. Um, biggest surprise. Well, taking away how well Holgate came on alongside Calvert Lewin, because I was a critic of Holgate. I'd, I'd, we've already spoke about it. I'd say Davis. The last few games, he, has, he is the biggest surprise. But I'd, I think he still needs to do it a bit more consistently, really. Um, you know, he, he's had a few good games, so let's not get carried away as much as I like him. He needs to be more consistent, but at the moment he, he has been a big surprise for me. And the second part of that question, what can we take from it? That we can't write players off too early, the way we have done, the way I did with Calvert-Lewin and Holgate, and the way everyone's doing now with Gordon and Davis. <clears throat> you can't you can't write them off. Good answer, Matt. Good answer. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I'm not um, Mitch, who's been the biggest surprise for you, and what can we take from it? Anything surprising too for me. Um, Alex Iwobi and Guilty Sigerson. Two of them have just, I mean, I just thought they were finished with us. Honestly, I just, I give up on them, to be honest. And the way they've sort of turned it around, um, it, they've, they've been quality, I must admit. Like, and Especially Sigerson as well, because I think everybody just sort of washed their hands with him. And, and I'll be honest with you, I used to always back tickets and I'm like, I'm, 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 I'm massive with the tickets oh, well, like yeah, me. Yeah. And um, I think I think even we were starting to, well, we'd lost faith. But the way he's turned it around, and, you know, he's, he's having an influence on games, he's scoring, he's setting up goals, he's working hard, he looks fit. I, 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 I think he's... He's been he really good. Must have been. Someone made made a point on Twitter the other day, and I can't remember the name. It was a bit of a hot take, like. But when the more you think about it, it might have had an effect on Sigurdsson. But he said, "Do you think with his, he's had a lot of things going on in his in his family life, hasn't he, the last year or so?" Did, yeah, we were talking about this. Did that affect his form? And now he seems to have settled down, and apparently his his wife's pregnant. So maybe like he's got a bit more of a settled private life at home. And he's playing a little bit more in his favourite position. You know, he's enjoying his football more, and that shows in his performances. That's exactly what he's talking about. I'll be one of the biggest critics. Um, I'll probably be one of the biggest converts. Um, I always felt that, you know, he, the transfer fees always affected him. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's always been a big thing. Um, but 
as we struggled as a side, we've moved them around a lot to try and shoe all them in. In actual fact, we've kind of stumbled on somewhere that, that maybe not quite, you know, a solid side. And I think as a result, Gilfie Sigurdsson's best work has been off the ball. Yeah. Many people will point towards the goal against Sheffield United and say, well, yeah, you know, that's that's what he's there for. You know, that's you know, the big moment to get the chance he scores on, on the right. But he's actually set the tone off the ball. You know, you watch him. He's been cut off the supply lines to the other team's defensive sentiment fields. He's been forcing them into the channels. And ultimately then, you know, uh, we've had that tight line where Michael Keane and Mina have been able to head the ball clear. And we've almost invited crosses onto this. You know, we deal with them. And he's been a big, he's been the tone setter, I would say, as part of that. So, you know, I'm converted on this this whole thing, you know. Yeah, I listened to a bit of a snippet of a podcast and it was only, I only listened to it briefly. And <laughs> no, not the end. And um, they, they said they, they said on it, it was all about Sigurdsson and said like when he comes to us scoring goals, setting up goals, but he's playing further, further. And it's no it's no surprise when when you play him deeper. He's, he's, that's not his, his job, is it? You know, he's not he's not going to run that and tackle. He's not he's not that type of player. And listen, he was poor. Don't get me wrong. In some of them games, you know, the derby stands out, but. Like I say, play players in a natural position and you get the best out of them. So I'm not going to answer the first one because I think you, you, you've said the biggest surprise is already. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What can we learn from it? This is going to be the question I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to answer the second part. Yeah. I, I've been probably judgmental on, on Andre Gubis. Yeah. So I'm looking at, at Gilby Sigurdsson, someone that I've judged a lot. And, you know, other players, maybe, I've learned, actually, that with time, understanding their role, as we understand, you know, where we're playing as a side, what the formation is, what our our identity is, they've improved. So I'm actually a bit more patient now with Andre Gomez, but I've been a bit frustrated with the times. I still am frustrated, but I'm thinking, well, there's hope for it, maybe. Yeah. Where he plays in the size. And that's the thing. I mean, we, we sort of we know where Sigurdsson's best position is, but I'm still like that. Where is Goldmaster's best position? Yeah. I'm, I still don't know, personally. Yeah. I has been frustrating. You know, he's number one, but I'm, I'm not writing him off because no, no. I've, ri- I've written other players off and, and just come back to bite me. So, uh, what would you, your rating be for Carlos for 12 months? So, I'm going to start with this one. I'm giving him. I'm giving him a, uh, a solid eight. Okay. I would have given him an A plus. Yeah, and uh, I would have given him an A plus if he would have beat Man United, but you know these things happen. Uh, but I think you know he, he's over, we're overachieving. You know, I, I think that if it was to talk about before the season, I want to see a side of identity. I want to see a side that can take points off the big so-called Sky Six. And battle them, um, and I think he's done all that. Uh, but I wanted to see a trophy as well. Um, maybe it was uh, I'm trying to be too ambitious there, but you know we should always be aiming as Evertonians and pushing Everton to do that. But just for that reason alone, I'm knocking the mark off. So it's an A from me. Matt, I'll, I'll go to you. I'd, I'd say an A. I honestly don't think he could have done any better with the current circumstances around the club. What's going on in the world? No. I think that there's no way. I don't think anyone would have done better than he's done for us so far. He's took us from where were we this time last year, fifteenth, something like that, and now 
if we'd yeah. have won that game 11 0 last night, we would have gone top. But you know, that's the difference. Now, there's, there's a whole different feel about the club now. There's no way he could have done it any better than he has done. Yeah, I think like I think like you say there with you know competing with the so-called big boys, getting results, getting so many results away from home, it, it's been the one for me because God, our record was terrible away from home, and he 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 is he's, he's done a fantastic job, and like you say, you know, it's only the start really. Twelve months in, a year in, where will you be in twelve months time now? So he's up on the away, he's there. So he's got nine away wins and 18 away games. That's brilliant. So it's oh. one in two he's win. Um, and it's always been four scrubs who we've relied on. We're actually going and taking it to teams away now. Uh, so prior to that, to get 18, sorry, nine wins, it took us 55 games prior to Ancelotti. That speaks for itself, doesn't it? It's, it's, it's unbelievable. And that's the thing that sticks out for me, is going away and winning. Being able to, you know, to be bubbles. Yeah. Know, what, what more do Everton uh, so we have? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, the old Mark Holmes quote. Uh, that will always come back to him. Um, well, this was one that was interesting to me for holding the blue on Twitter. It said, uh, 10 years, uh, Saturday we're on 29 points after 15 games, finished top four seven times and top six once. Um, Sarge was second after 15 games, finished eight. Sorry, top four eight times and top six, second uh, two times. So if you were to look at the previous results of, of what's happened over the last 10 years, where we are now, I know the season's different because you know it's a lot, you know, you, you can you can lose a couple of games and end up tenth. But um we're actually in a good position and stats tell us that actually we're in a good position here to either be top four or top six, which for me, was been you know my aim at the start of the season. Yeah, like you say there, um, it, it is. And the other thing I was going to say is, yeah, just to come back and actually was the um, the teams haven't had shots on. Let me mind gone blank here. Shots on target in the second half. The last goal. That's what I'm trying to say. And I was you put on my drink. <laughs> So we're going to come on to that defensive solidarity. So the last four games, Premier League games, we haven't conceded shots in the second half, and that's just that's just shows you the other the ugly side that he can do as well. You know, at the start of the season you're in fourth, uh, he he can he can grind it out as well. So just saying, Rich, where would you realistically think we should finish the season? I'll be honest with you, before the season, listen, that's a tough. As a tough top half, as a tough top ace, whatever. But the way the season's going, you know, still top six for me is the aim. Top six. But I'll be honest with you, looking at the teams and the way the season's going, I, I certainly think top four is there. And even the fucking league. up there. The flames of Mordor being set up. Before the season started, I said any improvements on where we finished, I'd, I'd be looking for a, a top eight in a cup. And I, I was I was expecting the League Cup, to be honest. Now, we obviously aren't in that anymore. But the way we started the season and the way it's picked up again, you know, 
you don't your heart says, Oh, you know, with that, the way everyone else is playing, maybe we could be competing for the title, but being realistic, it's a long season. We haven't been up there at that end of the table for a long time. So I think we should be looking at top six minimum. I mean any any less any lower than sixth place would would be a bit of a collapse in the second half of the season. So I'd say top six minimum, but we should be disappointed with not getting top three. <laughs> <laughs> I was speaking to uh, obviously Big Al Mitch hasn't been on on one the podcast for a while, uh, but he's uh, you know one of the uh, the originals as such. Uh, and we were talking about uh, different titles the teams have had. So you know you, you've had the Invincibles, obviously Arsenal Wenger. Um, you've had the uh, uh, allegedly unbearables. Yeah, self, going self style. Uh, yeah, self styles. No one actually cares, but yeah, unbearable. Uh, but Al Mitch's coins are the unnoticeables. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and we're actually ignored by the media, aren't we? The Sky Six. Uh, you know, we're not involved in that. You know, Sky and, and the, the mid have been quite embarrassing actually with their oh, coverage. Yeah. You know, they've, they've missed us out. It's like DCL out of the top scorers. Uh, you know, it's, it's an error. That's all it is. But, it, it, you know, it does seem sometimes, that, I'm not saying there's an agenda, but what I'm saying is that, that maybe we are unnoticeable. Maybe we're just get, getting about stuff. And we are. And I think Big Al Mitch's shout there, the unnoticeables. Yeah, I thought it was a great shout. It was a good shout. Yeah. You know, Carlo Ancelotti is quietly easy. He just goes about it. He doesn't. He doesn't try and shout his, his way in press conferences. What do you think about that, Matt? Because he, the manager doesn't give them little sound bites and their, you know cheap narratives, things that he can just you know whip up a storm on Twitter about. Because that's what it seems to be all about. You know, certain managers who are who are good for clickbait and have a bit of a cult following. But uh, Ancelotti seems to not even he doesn't really play them games. He just says what he thinks and gets on with it. And that seems to be the culture of Everton as a whole. Now you just get on with it. And the same, talking about clubs that people aren't noticing, said today about Aston Villa, you know, two games in hand, they're sitting within striking distance at the top of the table. So it seems that there is a couple of clubs who are booking the trends and the, the usual suspects just choose not to speak about them. And we're one of them. Yeah. Because they're made up, aren't they? Because they're off, because they're titled. Yeah. So uh, I'm just going to just ask this quick question to you both. Uh, have we come pre sixty as a fan base? Um, because I, I'm where I'm going with this is that when we finish with boys, we always we, I, I think we got seduced by the whole like possession football stuff. Um, boys, after boys, after boys, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it was, it was all about playing this nice round of football. I think most Evertonians, if you ask them now. Would prefer effective football over over nice possession football. Would anyone disagree with that? You know, do, do you think we've come three sixties a fan base match? Yeah, but I think a lot of that's been to do with the fact that we haven't been allowed in the ground. Because if we were if we were changing the style on John Chelsea and it hadn't been working, say the fans have been in and those four games we lost have been earlier in the season, the the fans have been on the back that much they, they would have had to change. But I think they've been allowed space to actually implement this new style or old new style and go back to the sort of football that's effective and it works. And when we can't, when we need to turn it on, we do. So I think, yeah, we, we probably, we've let go of the whole 
possession-based thing, ticky-tacky football, which is just bollocks to me. It's crap, passing for the sake of passing. No incisive football at all. And so, I think, yeah, we have gone back to appreciating quality players who can play well, who also are not afraid to dig in and do the hard stuff. Agree, disagree. Yeah, I totally agree, mate. You know, you've seen a few games recently where possession, where teams have had so much possession, like it's been one side and possession, but the, the result's been 1 1. Yeah. You know, all this fucking, like you say, tippy tappy football. Like, at the end of the day, those little horrible 1 0 wins away at Sheffield United's rainy day, I'd take them all day. You know, it was great at the start of the season, don't get me wrong, when we were, we were hitting fours and fives and you know it was it was great great football to watch and stuff but you gotta have a basis haven't you and be solid first and you know take them one nil wins take them scruffy wins and then build on that that's but at least we can do both yeah we can do both well that's the big thing is it's identity uh, and we've seen two sides of effort here we've seen the side that can play open, expansive football where we can score four or five. But then the worry was if the goals try if you concede one or two, you're always gonna score three, four, five goals. Um so we've then gone full circle where we've had a bit of defensive solidarity. You know, if you look at the last few games, you've had three green sheets and four. No shot on target in the second half, no four Premier League games. No league goals being conceded from open play in four through forty seven minutes. Um uh, and, and, you know, we've actually turned it on a test where that's our, our biggest weakness to become our biggest strength. So that's a lot to show that actually we, we can play nice football, but we can actually also exactly. change it. We can play defensive football. I don't know what you think, but I'd like to find somewhere in between. Yeah, yeah, um, and I think he will down the line. I think he will down the line. But like you say, within 12 months, and you can see the two sides of them already, it's, it's exciting, it's exciting. It really is. Got anything to add to that, boss? I think that's a, a pretty good summing up, really. He, well, he, he's an Italian, isn't he, Ancelotti? So he's gonna he's gonna have that bread into him. Like I think we we are sort of playing like the, the old, not not quite as good, but along the lines of the old Milan teams who can turn it on when they have to. But you know, you win leagues by grinding out results. You you look at like. You know, the media darlings now, like Leeds, you know, they can they can turn on the flare and score four goals, but they'll concede six. So, you know, you can't just keep always going forward, going forward, trying to score all the time. You need to do the basics first. And if you don't concede, you don't lose. Well, Mourinho's getting played, isn't he, for, for the way, you know, Tottenham will, will score and it's just trying to figure out type of thing. Arsenal, 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 yeah, yeah. 1-0 to the Arsenal. The big question for me now, obviously, the Sheffield United game, the United game, you know, you talk about them, um, I think the United game, we just write that one off, you know, mm-hmm. it's one of them games really, five yards off. The actual day itself was good, wasn't it, Mitch? Oh, yeah, it was, it was, um, it was great, like, getting, you know, getting ready, going to match, meeting up, having a few beers, um, in the wings, oh yeah, something to eat. Yeah, and Paul Witt, Jesus Christ, went right through you, didn't 
people talk about uh, where we are now. I'm not really interested where we are right now. I'm more interested where we are after them games because that will shape probably where we're likely yeah. to be at the end of the season. Because, you know, it is Wolves, Villa, Leicester, West Ham. You know, they're, they're all teams that are trying to push on a similar thing. But what points-wise would you, would you say, Mitch, I'll start with you. Obviously, them four games. So, West Ham are out. West Ham are out. Wolves away. Villa away. And Leicester at home. You know what? They are tricky games, them. All of them. They are. Uh... Like December. But, but, well, that's it. And that's the thing, isn't it? Is that, you know, everybody was saying December. But, yeah. That, and look what we've done. I don't know, mate. It's so hard to call. I, I just can't. It, it is. It's too hard to call. I'd like to take, what, out of them 12 points? Between... Between... I don't know. Between 6 and 9, maybe. 6 and 10. You know, don't, don't, I don't know, it's, it's hard, it's hard to call. I went with seven. Seven, yeah. yeah. And I, I think it's between six and nine, yeah. I, I think two draws were with, sorry, two, two wins and a draw. Yeah. And just maybe, you know, whatever, again, too far, but two is all nice, and we'd be there with it about. You know, they, I think it'll look very different at the end of January. Yeah. And that's where we need to, to look at now, you know, it's not what we've done to send, but put that to bed. It, it's the next big thing now. We've got Alan coming back. We've got Luca Dean coming back. Big decisions to make. Well, that's it. this season, we seem to go on runs of winning like four or five, and then like losing four or five, and then winning four or five. So, oh, it's been seconds for me. Mitch is right. It's, it is too hard to call because we were expected to beat Newcastle and Southampton. And I can't remember who the other, other team was. It was a Burnley or something. And we, we didn't get the results we should have got. And then we went on the run where we beat Arsenal and like Chelsea and that. So I'd, I'd say we should be looking at, yeah, seven points. Yeah, I reckon seven, maybe nine if, if you know, the, the players come back and start firing straight away. I don't think we're going to get all 12. I don't think we're, I don't think we're the finished article yet where we can go on long winning runs. I think Mitch is right again. We'll have a few wins, then we'll have a few shocking results. Like I said previously, you know, this season we're going to see ups and downs and a few results that you're scratching your head at because we're still not a finished team yet. So seven to nine points would represent a really good return there, I think. We're all all 13 in the same boat, aren't we? So, it was to say to you now, Matt, I'm going to start this one. Someone says to me, do you want any business done in January? My obvious answer is that I want to know who goes out. Because I think we still got, you know, our squad over capacity. We need Jenk and he's moving on. Yeah. Yannick Balassi probably is an out. I think it's all degrees or, or might be agreed. Mo Vesic, not even on the squad. He's still, well, we, need to, we need to move players up. Um, so I, I think that, that my main concentration is, is not really who's coming in. You know, someone said to me, we're getting a strike in it, maybe. I'll, yeah. I'll be interested in that. I like Hwang. Um, yeah, he's good playing him. Um, well, what were you saying then, uh, Matt? I'll start with you. you know, what, what's your approach to the January transfer? Do you, you very much, let's let's get people in, or, or are you very much saying, well, let's well, just we, see, we, see what happens? We started talking about this, I would have thought, yeah, who we signing? But the more I think about it, the more I agree that the outs are more important because we need to clear the decks ready for the summer. 
because the summer's the big window and you don't want to be messing around trying to sell players in the summer when we should be out looking to buy them. So, yeah, I, I think with the players we've got come, coming back from injury, we're not desperate to sign new players in, in January and you know, they're, they're always panic buys. So, I'd say, yeah, if, if something comes up that it'd be a useful addition, then maybe go for them. But, yeah, I think the outs are more important in January. Just to ship as many outs as need to get out and then look at all the new signs in the summer. Yeah, I echo what he says. But you know what I'd like to say is that the last couple of January windows, we've had like that little, that little buy, like, like grand and that. Yeah. You know, like a little one million pound or five hundred day or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. somebody needs to come in like that, and you go, you know what, Evan, I've got a good player there, a little gem. You know, something like that. Um, as for the first team, listen, like Matt says, I can wait till the summer. I can. You know, we know what we need. We, we saw the norm, you know, obviously Carl knows what he needs for the summer. I wouldn't really... I, I, wouldn't, be, I wouldn't be... I wouldn't be trying to find... But I'm, I'm trying to get somebody in. Yeah. You know, if, if the right loan, maybe a loan, to try and see us through for six months, um, I wouldn't be against that. The Diego Costa? Well, that's one that's come up today that I've sort of devised opinion. Yeah. Um, looks like he's off the walls, like. But. Yeah, it looks like he's off the walls, like. But um, yeah, you know, I wouldn't have been against that. Even just, you know, just to see it till the end of the and season. Yeah. We can't, we can't, we can't see the season out without one. So they're gonna have to do something. Yeah. There's no two ways about it. Whether that's a striker or somebody who can play, just the front, they need to find someone to play there. Yeah. Um, obviously, Costa's more than it. People point towards his goal record, maybe, but sometimes goal records are only as good as the fit of the club. Yeah, and I think, so, I, I, think I think a lot of you know reading on that today. I think yeah, a lot of we put a tweet out, didn't we? And I think a lot of people are getting a bit confused about it. Like we're not saying sign on a five-year contract or even a three-year or even a one-year contract. It's saying you know, yeah, just saying maybe just till the end of the season. After listen, Carl, we're going to be starting anyway, but just to help us out. For six months. But we did say Cavani as well. Well, yeah, we said that. And, you know, but, well, you know, yeah. Sometimes short term deals have, have always been well. To be honest with you, it's sort of way for us in the yeah. past as well. You know, you're going back to like Brian McBride, Joe. <laughs> you know, they, all right, they're not the greatest. But they're not the greatest, don't get me wrong. But they come in and they've done a job for six months to get your goals to the end of the season and help you out. Yeah, yeah, so I can see there's a player in Tosin. It's not he's not for us. He doesn't fit our style of play. He was better at Besiktas. He'd be better at Palace. All the you know, them sort of teams. Uh, no, he sounds like a when you fit the team. Mm -hmm. So he yeah. doesn't fit us, and we don't fit him. It's not his fault. You know, 
if he went and played somewhere in the two, like he does for Turkey, he would be a better player. And I, I don't see anything wrong in getting someone like Costa on a short-term deal. Like I said before, about Kevin but he was a perfect what? example of it. Yeah, yeah, Kevin Campbell. Yeah, I don't really Kevin Campbell. But... The thing is with these loans as well, right? I'm not just buying any old uh, Joe on on a loan, but you've got the uh, European Championship going on. Mm. You're going to have players out there that are desperate to get into their nation's teams who are probably playing 150%, 250% yeah. just to play because they want to get into, you know, they want to play for Belarus or. Poland or whoever they want to play for, uh, but they'll, they'll give you that extra. You know, normally speaking, if you sign them a five-year contract, yeah, you but, wouldn't get that. No, uh, but you know, they're going to prove, haven't yeah, they're going to prove. And I think that you know, it's, it's a valid market for me rather than strapping yourself up with, with a transfer. Let's not get alone. You know, it's a mutual thing where we're like, well, we want you for six months. You need to prove yourself as experts again. We're going to have to sign. We're going to have to sign some yeah. players that are in with the sheltered national team because I'm not sure exactly how how Brexit and all that's going to affect people's work permits and stuff. So we can't be going for the Shani Talashads and you know all these players who are on the on Yakuru or whatever. You'd need to sign an established player who's looking to get into his his um, nation's squad for the tournament. So we are going to have to go and get a good player. Uh-huh. I'm, I'm going to do a big shout out here for uh, Market Insights. So, uh, L Pivots on, on Twitter, uh, but uh, MRKT Insights podcast. Uh, they talk about the, the new rules, the, the post Brexit um, transfers. And um, it's actually probably doesn't really change your Premier League teams. Uh, in actual fact, it's probably better that we can actually now go to South America. Um, so yeah. you know, if a player's playing in, and you'll be first on to me, and I'm, I'm wrong here. But if someone's playing in, like, um, I don't know, Brazil, the Brazilian league, and they're playing the Copa Libertadores, yeah. and they're a key player for that team, even if they're not playing for the national team, or they might just be in the national team, then it, it, we can actually buy them. Yeah. So we might be, yeah, we might, it might actually open the market up for us so we can buy more South Americans rather than buying them from Porto or buying them from PSV. So going straight to the going straight to South yeah. America and buying them. There's obviously a risk attached to that, you know, because you'd be having seen them in, in one of your own stop leagues. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, obviously, Mexico's uh, like been there for, for a long while, yeah. So mm. it might actually be, you know, Bar- Marcel Brands has used that market before. But yeah. Actually, he'll actually be a fly rapper, isn't he? Actually, probably playing to our hands a little bit more. That'd be good. We'll see. Then, yeah. Um, well, uh, yeah. No, don't listen to me. Go to Market Insight podcast. <laughs> I'll listen to that instead because I'm not you. Can be honest. Don't listen to you. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that's just a disclaimer at the end. So they listen to Andy and David. Don't listen to me. Um, so anyway, um, that's us rounding up. It's been an interesting year. Uh, it's been a challenging year. The thing is that we're still communicating. You know, I hope people, I've spoke to, to like, you know, the Malaysian Toffees, all the Toffees across America. Um, it's been really good engaging with you all, you know, and, and that's what this is about. We like to feel like this podcast is about you sitting down in the pool with us and talking about, you know, Everton after the game or before the game. And I hope you get that feel. And it'll always be like that. You know, it's a homely feel. 
it's just a bunch of blues talking about the blues. Um, and we look forward to, to, to you know to having many more again. So thank you for everyone listening. Bye for now. And uh, I, I hope you tune in again. Oh, yeah. Nice one, Matt. Nice one, Matt.